Today on the show, we're going to cover some pretty dark topics, like the arrest of actress Allison Mack, who starred in the CW show Smallville. It's that teenage Superman show from a while back. Mack was taken into custody for human trafficking and being a leader of a modern-day sex cult. The rest of the show is going to be about MKUltra, the bizarre mind-control experiments the United States did on its own citizens, but more so its alleged later incarnation of the Monarch program which, if the conspiracy theory is true, would indicate a dark and diseased underbelly in the entertainment industry not known to the public. Manchurian candidate theories can be pretty out there, but the evidence MKUltra actually did happen in the 50s is undeniable. Personally, I find the thought of somebody I know and trust having hidden programming disturbing at the least, and the possibility of me having hidden puppet masters even more so. What if you woke up one day finding yourself covered in blood with no memory of how it got on you, or discover evidence of actions you committed with no memory of doing so? Assume it's possible and it opens up a whole new world of paranoia, and has driven some conspiracy theorists to the edge. But what if a programmable human robot isn't fiction? It would open up the possibility that those at the top of power in the world, all the way to the very bottom, could be the victims of mind control. And the celebrities the public worship just pawns to push duplicitous agendas. If real, literally anyone could be under this undetectable slavery. And on that happy note, let's get into it. This is Cryptic Chronicles, and thanks for listening. Okay, so recently the Smallville actress Allison Mack was arrested for being a member of a pretty twisted sex cult. She played the role of Chloe Sullivan on the hit CW series, which focuses on the pre-superhero life of Superman. It was and still is a beloved series for tons and tons of loyal fans. But the craziest thing is that she was arrested for human trafficking. The sex cult's name is Nexium, which was founded by a man named Keith Rainier back in 1998. Supposedly, this cult is all about being a multi-level marketing organization that offers personal and professional development seminars. Their official website describes them as a company whose mission is to raise human awareness, foster an ethical humanitarian civilization, and celebrate what it means to be human. So yeah, I don't know how much more pretentious you can get when describing yourself, but there it is. Since Nexium's inception, all the way up into current times, it's been described as a cult by reporters and by former members. They've offered alleged executive success programs, which reportedly over 12,000 people have attended, including many famous people in politics and Hollywood, like a former Surgeon General of the United States, as well as Sheila Johnson, co-founder of the BET channel. What Nexium has taught over its time is highly secretive, and all who take part are subject to non-disclosure agreements under the pretense of trade secrets. But it's always just been a front for a mind-slave human trafficking sex cult, apparently. A sex cult that's had connections discovered to many powerful politicians as well as prominent celebrities. Allison Mack was arrested a couple weeks ago for being a high-ranking member of this sex cult, in some cases said to be second-in-command under the founder himself, Keith Rainier. Mack was a main recruiter for Nexium. Masquerading the cult as a self-help organization meant to empower women. But a wrench was thrown in their plans back in October 2017 when a New York Times investigation revealed that the women involved in the organization were referred to as slaves, and were basically branded like cows with the initials of Rainier and Mac in their pubic areas, which was done in an incredibly painful way over the span of half an hour with a soldering pen. And during this horrible ordeal, the victims were held down by the other sex slaves against their will. Yep, pretty much sounds like a nightmare. Rainier forced the women on these crazy diets to the point where sometimes they'd starve. And all this because he sexually preferred skinny women. After brainwashing, they were forced to have sex with Rainier whenever he wanted, or even one of his random buddies. But if the brainwashing didn't work, they would even be forced to have sex against their will. Disturbingly, this sick cult has connections and branches all over the world. 
But it all looks like it's going to come to an end soon because Rainier is arrested and is scheduled to appear in a Brooklyn federal court this week seeking bail. Everyone who was a fan of Smallville basically had a rug ripped out from under them. Yes, actors aren't the characters they portray in shows and movies, but it's really hard not to associate actors with the characters they play. Because in Smallville, Chloe was apparently nothing like her real-world persona. She was moral, upright, and good, and was just a good reflection of all the positive things Superman stood for. So to the fans, it would be like Mother Teresa turning out to be some kind of child abuser or something. Some fans have even reacted in outrage, saying they should boycott everything Smallville even. That's a bit drastic, considering that everybody else on the show had nothing to do with the cult. Well, other than Kristen Crook, but I'll get into that in a second. But it's very safe to say that Mac won't be welcome anymore at Smallville cons, or basically anything public that has to do with the show or cast. Oddly enough, though, it was Kristen Crook who played Lana Lang on the show that introduced Mac to Nexium. This took place back in 2006, and Crook denies any involvement in the organization's seedier side. She says that back when she was a part of the cult, all the ritual brandings, brainwashing, and abuse wasn't a thing yet, which obviously most people aren't buying. She said recently on Twitter that any accusations she was ever in the inner circle or recruited women as sex slaves are blatantly false. Her denial for good reason raises some eyebrows, but I guess it is possible that she was only permitted the surface knowledge of the cult, despite how unlikely that may be. Don't really know enough about her to have a solid opinion yet, but Crook was definitely the one who got Mac into Nexium. In order to gain entrance into this sex cult, initiates are required to give the recruiter, or master as they're forced to be called, a decent amount of collateral, in the form of naked photographs or any other compromising material, or compromising information of friends and family, as well as control over their personal property. And of course, if they left Nexium, all this compromising stuff would be released to the public and their property seized, which I guess is a pretty solid way of keeping people under the thumb and forcing indoctrination. But with such crazy things being asked just to join, it's already alien to me what would make people want to join in the first place. It takes a special type of person to willingly go into something like that, but it does make sense when you dig a little deeper because many women were promised advancement in Hollywood if they became members of the cult, which is a damn good incentive. I don't want to get into the psychology of why people join cults, because obviously they've done it throughout all human history. It's easy to judge them, but there's a lot more going on that we don't know about. And I'm pretty sure that if people could see down the line what they're actually getting into, they'd never join in the first place. But while sensitive and open-minded, there's probably a peak they're pushed up to. And when finally there, after brainwashing, it's easy to push him over the edge. Even people with very good mental health and a lot of self-confidence have joined cults. They're a lot more insidious than people might think. And apparently Mac was very convincing because she got a lot of people into the cult. She's being charged with sex trafficking, conspiracy to commit sex trafficking, and forced labor. Which is probably going to lead to 15 years in prison or so. But according to some, especially conspiracy buffs, she's making a deal and naming names, important names, associated with human trafficking in the U.S., which will implicate many celebrities and prominent politicians. But I don't know if those theories go against what's really going on, because at the Brooklyn court on April 20th, she pleaded not guilty to the charges. Despite her claim of innocence, it's not looking good for her. The evidence against her and Rainier is pretty one-sided, to say the least. This whole thing does go a lot deeper, though, to get more on the fringe side of things. Many say that Rainier is just a detestable human being who masquerades as a philosopher. Because according to court papers and many witnesses, he's ruined a lot of lives. Like destroying families, defrauding his own devotees, and is responsible for driving people to suicide. Before Rainier was a cult leader, he was a pyramid scheme operator. Which goes to show you his morality, he was already off the bat trying to swindle people, and his business shut down and made illegal by the state. So yeah, before Nexium, he was someone who tried to make a living by screwing people over. But he also has connections to the DNC, he and his followers donating tons of money to Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign. If you've ever heard of the Pizzagate conspiracy, go check it out, but some people connect Nexium to that. Others try to make an MK Ultra connection, and don't worry, we're going to get into MK Ultra soon. 
but it's a form of brainwashing, just like the sex slaves at Nexium were brainwashed. It's allegedly how the elite control and program people and whatnot. This whole thing is top-tier Illuminati to a lot of people, and their guy Rainier is basically the perfect cult leader. He claims to have one of the highest IQs in America, and pulls a Kim Jong-il saying stuff like he could play the piano flawlessly at two and could speak full sentences at the age of one. The guy also has this whole Jesus look too and forces his followers to call him Vanguard because he's a vanguard for a new philosophy for the world. So, yeah, not, not a small ego at all on this guy, right? <laughs> but somehow this slimeball indoctrinated Allison Mack, but who knows? She could have willingly hopped into all that stuff and been a secret monster all along. She's out on bail right now for $5 million and is confined to her parents' home in California with an electronic monitoring device attached to her ankle. There's also people out there demonizing her, like claiming that she's been doing demonic rituals and stuff, like occult satanic rituals. But 99% of people who just demonize the occult have no idea what they're talking about. However, Mac is a huge fan of Marina Mbramovich, whom the site has talked about before in an article covering the Pizzagate conspiracy and is a pretty well-known occult satanic practitioner. Seriously, go, uh, go Google Marina Mbramovich. She has ties to the DNC big dogs like the Clintons, John Podesta, Hollywood celebrities, etc. She's an expert in satanic rituals and is very popular among some of the elite in this country. She's even got books and whatnot, but tries to push herself at least to the public as a performance artist. Mac is a big fan of hers, and has even posted pictures of her and stuff about her on her Twitter account. So, there really could be a connection to the dark occult, but I really couldn't find enough legitimate evidence on the subject to have a solid opinion. So take all that Pizzagate stuff and, you know, connections to politicians with a grain of salt. But evidence does suggest that there is probably a lot going on behind the scenes that's pretty messed up. Some people are saying that this is just the beginning of a bunch of high-ranking politics and sickos in Hollywood being brought to light, and if that's true, it should be an interesting six months to a year to see how all this plays out. Now into MK Ultra, and the craziest thing about MK Ultra is it's not science fiction or conspiracy; it's a fact. Documents regarding it were released to the public because of the Freedom of Information Act. The CIA did indeed perform experiments on their citizens in an attempt to discover brainwashing techniques, but they weren't the only ones. The U.S., Russia, and China all had brainwashing programs going on during the 50s. Their objective was to take common people and be able to program them as assassins. And doing this without them even knowing. Basically to create the Manchurian Candidate. In saying that though, there may be some conspiracy theories that go a little bit overboard concerning it. But we're here to talk about all of the perspectives of it, even the super weird stuff. So don't take everything I say in this episode as fact. Especially later when I get into the Monarch stuff. But keep an open mind. Because MKUltra 100% did actually happen. It all started with the CIA slipping LSD to unsuspecting citizens. At first, they were pretty convinced that LSD was the key to discovering brainwashing. But the mainstream government program pretty much began at the end of the Korean War. The government and American people were horrified at the seemingly brainwashed POWs of the conflict after their return home. Some returning captured GIs were confessing to war crimes that they obviously never committed, because they were against U.S. and international law. But they also, more horrifyingly to the people at that time, seemed to be totally converted to communist ideology, and were preaching it wherever they went. Which doesn't seem like a very big deal now, but back then it really scared people. The CIA had basically only been becoming more and more powerful in those days, especially after World War II. And on April 10th, 1953, Alan Dules, the first citizen director of the CIA, gave a speech. 
It was to address these fears of the American people. And I quote, In the past few years, we have become accustomed to hearing much about the battle for men's minds, the war of ideologies. I wonder, however, whether we clearly perceive the magnitude of the problem, whether we realize how sinister the battle for men's minds has become in Soviet hands. We might call it, in its new form, brain warfare. End quote. They thought the stakes were so high, unethical behavior seemed necessary. They had to abandon human values in order to keep up with the Soviets. So the CIA began their experiments which involved torturing their own citizens. Because three days after that speech, Duels approved the beginning of MKUltra, and he desperately hoped it would turn the tide in the Allies' favor during the Cold War. At first, it was mainly focused on behavior modification, like electroshock therapy, hypnosis, polygraphs, radiation, drugs, toxins, and all kinds of chemicals were used on these test subjects. Some of these test subjects were actually volunteers, but most were coerced or forced. There were also many who just had no clue what was going on, or that they were even being experimented on by the government. A popular way to get children for the experiments was blackmail. They weren't that picky, though, because they would just kidnap people and kids right off the street, too. They would take people from basically all aspects of life. Mentally impaired, children of American soldiers, children of sexual psychopaths, lower class, middle class, you name it. They really did spare no expense in gathering data for the experiments, but they mostly preyed on vulnerable members of society, people who wouldn't be missed, and prisoners were ideal for the more deadly experiments. Some people might have like a, like a knee-jerk reaction to this, thinking, this doesn't happen in America, this doesn't happen to American citizens, but yeah, it, it totally did. And who knows, maybe it still does. This is the 100% true part of MKUltra that, if you want, you can go check for yourself. But the U.S. government was experimenting on its citizens in horrifying ways. And all this in the name of the greater good, and at least at the time, good intentions. Here's a quote from Whitey Bulger, an incarcerated organized crime boss that was taken in to be experimented on in 1957. And I quote, Eight convicts in a panic and paranoid state. Total loss of appetite hallucinating, the room would change shape. Hours of paranoia and feeling violent. We experienced horrible periods of living nightmares, and even blood coming out of the walls, guys turning into skeletons in front of me. I saw a camera change into the head of a dog. I felt like I was going insane. End quote. So yeah, that sounds pretty fun. A man in charge of some of these experiments, named George White, created a special room in Berkeley, California. This room had a two-way mirror, and was completely bugged. White would sit behind the mirror with other CIA agents, and basically watch people who were both knowingly dosed and unknowingly dosed with LSD, among other experiments too. And the funniest thing is they would be lured there by prostitutes working for the government. But White's interest slowly changed from the effects of LSD to the sex. To the point it was nicknamed the CIA's carnal operations, and CIA operatives would flock to work on the program for sexual, not professional, reasons. They enjoyed watching the sex, as well as the prostitutes subtly interrogating the victims for information, right after sex proved to be the most efficient time to get info. It was later proven White's experiments were more about voyeurism than brainwash research. And this is what he would say on the matter, and I quote, where else could a red-blooded American boy lie, kill, cheat, steal, rape, and pillage with the sanction and blessing of the All-Highest? End quote. And this is a guy in charge of a whole section of research speaking. A guy that's a part of our government. A guy given godly power over common citizens. So, it's a historical fact that MKUltra was real and that the U.S. government had no problem with committing unethical experiments on its own people. And the CIA was more successful than they could have ever imagined, giving the government and the elite far more power than they could have ever dreamed of. MK Ultra Mind Control was so successful, it essentially created human robots, and the government's brain warfare only became more efficient in all its aspects. 
It all reminds me of the messed up government experiments done in the show Stranger Things. But truth is always stranger than fiction. So these experiments would go on and get more weird and twisted, even leading to the death of somebody who was unknowingly dosed with LSD. He was pushed out a window of a really high building. Or he jumped out depending on who you ask and who's saying what. But over time, it's trickled down from the government and elites. All the way to celebrities, professional athletes, politicians, common people, or basically anyone in powerful, prominent positions in our society is suspect. The government did succeed in their mission. MKUltra is not only very real, but it has a whole science behind it. And it's still going on everywhere till this day on an unprecedented scale. The scariest thing is that it's totally undetectable. Now is when we're going to get into the weird stuff. I'll leave you to decide what's real and what's not. But the government learned a lot, though, from their early MKUltra experiments. Like, uh, from just the average information control common these days, to the corporate politically liberal controlled media, to the deeper brainwashing hypnosis MKUltra stuff. The people in charge have a vested interest and investment in what they want people to think and which polarity they want to push people towards on everyday subjects. And that's not even getting into the subliminal messages everywhere that conditions people. The key to creating an MKUltra mind slave today's way is trauma-based. What they need to make the true human robots is somebody who can dissociate, which can interestingly be passed on genetically. They'll use torture, drugs, hypnosis, and all twisted manner of ways to essentially shatter a person's psyche then forcing the person's true personality to become dormant. This dissociation by trauma is actually done naturally by the brain. It's a defense mechanism ingrained into our very biological makeup. Our brain is actually pretty much an organic computer, and very little of what's actually going on in it is apparent to the conscious mind, everyday personality of people. The conscious mind is uh, it's analogous to the desktop or home screen of a computer monitor. It's all about what's going on in your life, things you like, things you don't like. But the real you would be the hard drive and all the files in the background. When someone experiences trauma that the conscious mind just can't handle, it builds up a wall around that memory, becoming memories that are pretty much inaccessible from everyday thought. And the mind naturally creates these amnesiac-like barriers around traumatizing events. This is why, a majority of the time, people can't really recall a lot of the details about messed up stuff that's happened to them. Like a veteran coming home from a war may have entire months missing from their memory, or people in horrifying accidents can't recall what happened. This obviously also happens to victims of intense violence, and is common in those who have suffered abuse from a close family member or loved one. If the trauma is great enough, they'll be unable to recall events as they truly happened. It's this mechanical way that the brain operates that brainwashers take advantage of. It's basically a mind hack to the highest level, which is used to create completely dissociated parts of the human mind that function independently and are basically completely oblivious to all the other dissociated aspect of the victim's psyche. And this is why MKUltra mind slaves don't even know that they're programmed their whole lives. Well, except for the ones that break away and wake up, but... There aren't very many of those, because MKUltra mind slaves are insanely valuable and time-consuming to create. There is a lot of investment in them, so their owners aren't going to give them up without a fight. And they're worth more than regular people in a lot of situations because when this dissociation is intentionally manipulated, it can even give people seemingly superhuman abilities, like a sniper being able to remain motionless for hours, or an almost photogenic memory or a pretty much computer-like ability to store information. MKUltra is often used to create super soldiers or super spies, people able to not feel pain during torture, and are literally unable to give up information by switching to a dissociated personality who knows nothing. So you can see why they're so valuable. What used to be called multiple personality disorder is actually a form of this dissociation that can form in everyday people. That's why modernly it's called dissociative identity disorder, not multiple personality disorder, which is mainly caused by childhood trauma, usually through things outside of anyone's control. But MKUltra programmers cause this dissociation deliberately. 
The common denominator majority of people throughout their lives dissociate to a certain point at many times. Like I said, it's a, a natural function of the brain. That's just tiny little slivers here and there, though, unless the person has real trauma. But there are people who have certain genetics passed on through bloodlines that have a dormant ability to completely dissociate. To the point they can literally vanish from waking consciousness into fantasy worlds in their heads. And it's people with these special dissociative abilities that programmers look for when intent on creating a new mind slave. They hone and develop the victim's dissociative abilities, making them stronger and stronger over time. And since this dissociative gene can be passed on from one generation to the next, certain families over time have created dynasty-like MKUltra victims over the years. Going down the rabbit hole a bit, Many conspiracy theorists on the subject claim the elite families of the world adopted this to program generation to generation of their own families. Meaning the people in the world with all the control and power actually have it at the cost of being a total dissociative mind slave. They look at it as like a, a hereditary gift that not only is used by the elite, but also on people that they allow to have political power or celebrity influence. Yeah, this is some deep Illuminati stuff. But even in these conspiracies, keep in mind that this isn't all celebrities or politicians. In the grand scheme of things, even according to conspiracy theorists, the MKUltra mind slaves are a tiny, tiny minority in the population. Over time, MKUltra evolved into the monarch program, which is why in modern times these program brainwashed people from a young age are called monarchs, just like the monarch butterfly. And the insect is actually the symbol for the whole process. This is because it was the monarch butterfly where science discovered that linked memory was a real thing. Memories being passed down through genes for generations actually occurs naturally in nature. Which is a real thing in humans, too. It's how animals, people, and insects just instinctually know how to do things. Every year, monarch butterflies in America make a crazy journey across the continent to a small part of Mexico for the winter. Then during spring, all the monarchs do the same ridiculously long trip back to North America. But it takes three generations of monarchs to make the trip, meaning no monarch butterfly ever has survived the whole trip before. They die first, but their offspring know exactly where to go and what to do. These are memories encoded directly into the butterfly's DNA. Scientists call this epigenetic memory. And it's these studies that were the inspiration for the monarch butterfly basically being the mascot for trauma-based mind control across the globe. And now, knowing this, keep your eyes open for monarch-based symbolism in pop culture. You may be surprised at how common it is, and horrified by its true meaning. So, this trauma-based form of MKUltra mind slavery is universally called monarch programming. And from now on, I'm going to be referring to it as such... According to the more conspiracy side of stuff, it's these so-called Illuminati elite families that are behind most of the monarch programming these days. And at the highest levels of power are these occult families and groups. The bad side of the occult. Supposedly practicing, like, satanic rituals and stuff. So, to some people, there's even a spiritual side to MKUltra. And they believe the dissociation can actually open up a door for the victim to be influenced by demonic entities through the occult rituals. Supposedly, these elite families ritually practice abuse and trauma on their children, basically across the board, which goes back way further than the American government's MKUltra program. I found a lot of contradicting info on this part, but apparently there's a generation to generation of elite families going back as far as the Byzantine Empire in some cases that all practice this trauma-based mind control, and that these families made bargains with demonic entities to do this from one generation to the next. In return, they're granted power and influence. This stuff is really down the rabbit hole, though, but shouldn't dissuade anyone from the reality of monarch programming. Because, despite these highly bizarre theories about occult elite families, I don't want to take away from the seriousness of MKUltra. Using dissociation to program multiple personalities into somebody is a real thing. They even use the term to reference these trauma-based mind slaves, calling them multiples. But even though this enhanced form of dissociation is passed down genetically, it remains dormant unless activated through trauma. Trauma and abuse is what really gives the victim the ability to create multiples. And over time, programmers have come up with specific methodologies in order to guarantee success in susceptible subjects. 
This is because it's truly necessary that the right victim is chosen for the process, since it's so time-consuming and expensive. They perform extensive tests on possible monarch subjects to gauge their abilities to dissociate from a very young age. This is because the people doing the programming won't waste time and money on a mind that can't fully dissociate. But when they find a good one, they nurture the dissociative ability and the ability to be hypnotized, basically exploiting the computer-like functions of the human mind. When the victim is fully cracked, they can then implant multiples to basically perform any of the tasks for the future they want in their monarch. Only around 20% of the population in general can be easily hypnotized. That's why a lot of people just simply don't buy it. But people who have been traumatized are 100% easier to be hypnotized basically across the board. And monarch programming trauma is not normal traumatization. This is ritualized and methodically induced trauma over the span of years. Through trauma, drugs, and hypnosis, multiple dissociated parts of the mind will be created by the programmer. They can program people to basically think they're anyone, or even anything, like inanimate objects. But it's mostly personas, and each one will have talents and abilities to give the set of alters, which will now make up who the monarch is. This is called the system. These alters, or multiples, can take over the victim's persona at any time the handler wants or be programmed to take over if certain conditions are met. It can even be done through certain sounds or colors, or even the more popular word phrases from literature. Or if a soldier or a spy is caught, they'll switch to an altar. These are called triggers. A handler, by the way, is not a programmer, it's just somebody who keeps the program going. After the altars are fully ingrained and the triggers implanted correctly, the victim pretty much becomes a human robot that's totally under the control of the handler. As you can imagine, governments, corporations, the media, and celebrities consider these human robots incredibly valuable, and have tons of uses for them. They'll do whatever command their handler tells them, no matter how crazy, demeaning, painful, or even suicidal. And all this behind the conscious awareness of the monarch. They don't hesitate or question and are in no way subject to conscience or morals. They're capable of recalling information any of the other alters heard with almost perfect accuracy, and can allegedly even repeat conversations like a voice recorder. They can basically be super soldiers at the drop of a hat, or turn from a prissy, pompous Hollywood starlet into a willing sex slave with zero inhibitions. To women out there, I'm pretty sure that it's sickening to think that Someone could have a key to your body at any time they want. Since monarchs are so time-consuming and expensive to make, it's no wonder they're so valuable. If the whole process is done correctly, they can be whatever the programmer wants, including the perfect actors or actresses, soldiers, assassins, sports stars, singers, or musicians, but especially corporate and political spies. Or just spies in general, really, since monarchs don't even know what they really are. And in the entertainment industry, monarch celebrities are used as a distraction or to divert public opinion. But some are there just to take the blame for stuff they didn't even do. Because they make the perfect scapegoats or patsies. According to some conspiracy theorists, many monarchs are responsible for the shootings and the bombings in America supposedly as a slow and steady plan to remove the rights and power to protect themselves as American citizens. There really is a ton of ways they can be used that are highly profitable to their group of the 1%, aka the elite. They make a lot of money off their celebrities, earning back many times over what it costs to make them. Performers have a pretty hardcore schedule, sometimes working 15-hour days or more. When one persona is exhausted, a monarch can just switch to one of its alters. This can give them basically superhuman stamina, and pretty much allows them to never exhaust themselves from mental fatigue. There's literally tons of these monarch mind slaves in the entertainment industry. You can find video and written testimonies of celebrities talking about MK Ultra in Hollywood with a quick Google search. It's not the well-kept secret it used to be. The entertainment industry and the media have had a mind control culture for quite a long time now. Monarchs are also used for twisted illegal porn on the black market and deep web. This includes snuff films, 
where the victim is murdered during the sex act. These victims are usually captured through human trafficking, which is actually more commonplace in America than you might think. The powerful also have use for these hypersexualized altars, as I'm sure you could imagine. In Stanley Kubrick's film Eyes Wide Shut, you see what these elite sex parties can be like, where monarchs are just basically passed around like party favors. True story, though. Kubrick based it off an actual party the Rothschilds held in the 70s, so it was actually far more fact than fiction, which is pretty disturbing. But it isn't just a thing of the past, because stuff like this still happens to this day. And if these stories are to be believed, many so-called assassins throughout the later half of the 20th century were actually MKUltra trauma-based mind slaves. For example, Mark David Chapman, who shot John Lennon. After murdering the famous Beatles singer, he calmly sat down and began reading Catcher in the Rye. Ex-President Ronald Reagan's attempted assassin also had Catcher in the Rye as well as Lee Harvey Oswald, who allegedly killed JFK. And that's just a handful of really strange links to Catcher in the Rye. There's actually a lot more. This is because mind control researchers know that literature is often used as triggers to control these brainwashed victims. And in the past, Catcher in the Rye was one of the favorite of programmers to input triggers. Monarch slaves will also be used to infiltrate organizations with the surface alter persona totally unaware of its true objectives, and in all honesty thinks that they're completely loyal or into whatever organization that is. But they will actually spy on the organization and its members, so discord and conflict within their ranks, or just straight up sabotage the organization. And they do all this while completely unaware and with good intentions on the surface. They can also be used in the same way to smuggle illegal things, and genuinely believe that their giant bag of heroin is actually eyeliner or something. But, most importantly for elites across the globe, they want people in power in places of influence that they can control. So they spend billions on putting MKUltra mind slaves in those type of positions. Like I said though, there isn't enough monarchs to go around. They're a tiny, tiny minority, almost non-existent in the big picture. So, there's a lot more people in powerful positions they can't control. This is when monarchs are used to blackmail people. They seduce, or whatever, to gain sensitive information on the target. And since they're the best infiltrators ever, it's not too hard for them. Then, the sensitive material is used for manipulation. That's why they sometimes purposely pick sick individuals like pedophiles and place them in powerful positions. But while brainwashing techniques can be applied to anyone of any age, the monarch programming begins very, very young. According to some whistleblowers, this can even start as a baby or even in the womb. Brainwash researchers use the analogy of splitting the mind to be just like splitting wood. At first, it's hard to get a split going, hacking the axe at it over and over. It's the hardest part. Once a crack begins to form in the wood, though, it just gets easier and easier. So, splitting the mind when people are young makes the wood much, much easier to crack, and greatly increases the speed in which the victim gains the ability to dissociate. Allegedly, in these elite families with generational trauma-based mind control, they'll put mouse traps on their baby's hands. Then they'll completely ignore the baby no matter how much it screams in agony. When the baby finally goes silent, this is when they take off the mousetrap, which teaches the baby's mind to dissociate from the pain and encourages its ability to do so. That's only people born into it, though. Regular people will be tested heavily to gauge their ability to dissociate. And like I said, traumatized children are ideal for this. But another aspect they look for is intelligence and creativity, which is needed for the programming and alters to function correctly. So if not a part of a bloodline of mind slaves, they won't take a victim in for programming unless they have an IQ of 120 or better. And possible candidates must show that they're way above average when it comes to creativity. Discipline is then ingrained into them, and they're taught to stay still and have their eyes open for long periods of time. This helps in later programming. The first year and a half, the child is smothered in love, attention, and care. It's called the bonding phase. But then it's time to move on to something they call shattering the core. 
which consists of forced solitude, torture, and all manner of abuse, including sick, rapey stuff. They're tormented with loud noises, crazy lights, and potent smells in an attempt to overstimulate the brain. After a while of this, the handler who took care of the victim during the love bonding phase is reintroduced to the monarch in development. The child is ecstatic to see the one that showed them so much love before, and becomes highly excited that they're going to be rescued. But instead, the handler will brutalize the child in traumatizing ways worse than anything that came before. This is the linchpin that finally shatters the mind. And from that point forward, the brainwashing and programming can truly begin. The programming schedules are set, as well as future traumatizing planned. And the whole time, the mind is carefully monitored. The conscious mind, the personality or ego, withdraws inside the safety of the mind's barriers. Then the subconscious doors are pretty much completely open to the programmers. And the victim is in the highest of all suggestible states. Through hypnotizing, the programmer can literally tell the victim's unconscious to create new parts within the mind of the fractured dissociated brain. It has no ability to question what's being told to it. And it's at this point that the person basically becomes a programmable human robot. And almost all front alters programmed to be the main personality have no memory of their abuse. Or anything that came before other than what the handlers and programmers want them to remember. Like I said, monarchs who have not awoken have no idea what they really are. What's crazy is there's organizations whose purpose is to breed children with this epigenetic dissociation. Specifically to create new monarch slaves. That's why the genetic memory of trauma is so important to create monarchs. Anyone can be brainwashed to a certain degree with MKUltra techniques, but it takes the inherited ability to dissociate through generational trauma to create the human robots that are the monarchs. Army and Navy families have been known to give one of their babies to such programs for years. Usually, this is through some misguided sense of patriotism or a desire for speedy advancement. The CIA MKUltra programmers promise the families their child will be successful, and pretty much guarantee the child to have a wonderful future. If only they had a clue of what horrors actually await their kids. So it's not like these army people give up their children in any malicious way. They have no clue what's really going down. From their perspective, they're basically giving their kid to have a chance for a wonderful, successful life. There is a certain amount of the population with the genetic ability to dissociate easily through past and generational trauma. It's these people these organizations go to to recruit new children for the programming. But they'll also just resort to kidnapping them. To these people, blackmail is always on the menu too to get new victims. Like if they find a father who's been molesting their child, they won't arrest him. They'll offer him a deal. They'll take the traumatized kid in exchange for the person's freedom, as well as some financial compensation usually too. But the child always does have to fit the requirements. They gotta have an IQ at 120 or higher, be creative, and have an enhanced ability to dissociate because of their trauma. A prominent whistleblower and victim, Kathy O'Brien, was brought into a monarch program through just such a blackmail. Her dad was caught distributing child porn of her through the mail, but he got caught and made a deal to save his own butt by selling her to the program. But many parents, especially in the entertainment industry, put their kids in these programs with an ends-justify-the-means perspective. Yeah, their kid will be mentally shattered and brainwashed, but it's almost a guarantee they'll become a famous actor, singer, comedian, politician, sports star, or just generally a celebrity. I mean, who cares if their kid's tortured and traumatized if they're not going to remember it anyway, right? Right? Totally worth it to become famous and wealthy. But yeah, MKUltra also has a history of just kidnapping people off the streets. So there's all kinds of factors in how they gain new monarchs to program. The actual statistics for missing children and adults across the United States and Canada is actually ridiculously high. If you haven't heard of the series of books called Missing 411, then you should definitely check them out. They're about the insanely high numbers of people who vanish from national parks that are pretty much swept under the rug. 
the numbers are actually pretty high. And that's just vanishings at national parks. The huge numbers of missing people and human trafficking in the United States is very real. And no doubt some of these people, especially the children, end up being monarchs. The front altar in monarchs is unquestionably real and convincing, which makes them seem just like a normal person. But the other altars are all programmed to exist in some fantasy world within the mind. Like earlier when I was talking about suspected MKUltra victims who all had a copy of Catcher on the Rye. This keeps the slave multiples from reality and their true identity. The worlds of popular movies or books are the most common fantasy worlds programmed into the victim's mind. It's kinda like operating software. There are some common favorites too. Like The Wizard of Oz, Star Trek, Alice in Wonderland, Star Wars, Catcher in the Rye, and m many more. The victim's mind is so splintered and open through hypnosis, it will accept anything their handlers program in. And it's in these fantasy worlds the altars live in until they're brought forth. Ah, I, for I forgot to mention that the front altar too escapes to these fantasy worlds. All this stuff is truly hard to understand looking at it from the perspective of an everyday person, which is understandable. But victims really can escape deep into their own minds and fictional worlds through their multiples. The altars. The many different personalities programmed into their psyche. Monarch victims usually have an obsession with these worlds, or a strange hypnotic connection to them. The brain, after being shattered, still instinctively wants to heal itself, and pull itself back together. And if they become free of the handler and the programmer, the mind can actually heal from this in time. An MKUltra victim can wake up. So, keeping these splintered shards of dissociated consciousness as far from reality as possible is a high priority. If these shattered pieces are kept in fantasy worlds built around them, it's harder for the mind to pull itself back together. In order for the programmers and handlers to remain in control, it's all about keeping the shattered psyche shattered. Monarchs who heal and wake up are no longer docile total mind slaves, and can make a scene which usually means that they must be silenced, which is made to look like a suicide or some kind of freak accident or overdose to law enforcement and the public. So priority number one is to keep the psyche shattered. And it's their handler that has the responsibility to keep the monarch in this state. The latter goes like this. Owner, programmer, handler. The programmers are experts in consciousness and MKUltra brainwashing techniques that shadow the victim's awareness and program the altars, and fantasy worlds, and triggers and whatnot. They're the hypnosis specialists and the ones doing all the science-type work, the masters of breaking down the ego and mind into a programmable tool. After their work is done, a lot of the victims see them as like a, a godlike figure. Handlers have a lot of the same training and knowledge, but just maintain the monarch and control them on behalf of the owner and programmer. They make sure the right altars come out to perform the right task, and make sure the victim stays in their brainwashed state. So, yeah, they're pretty much seen as property, and there are straight-up slave auctions for them. Modern-day slave auctions. One of the ways a handler will keep a monarch under control is through electric shock. This fries neurons in the brain that would normally lead to the development of a long-term memory. Many celebrities have scars resembling cattle prods or whatever, which is left after constant shocks. Monarch multiples basically always have these scars on them somewhere, but few people not in the know know what they truly are. And this is all pretty dark, but it can always get darker. There is a disturbing amount of celebrity deaths in the entertainment industry that have a decent amount of evidence suggesting foul play. Like Marilyn Monroe, Brittany Murphy, Whitney Houston, and a whole lot more. I'm sure you can probably think of a couple off the top of your head. Well, many researchers think that these are cases where something was going wrong with the monarch's programming. Or the victim was waking up and putting together their shattered psyche. Or that there was just more profit in their death to the right people as in the Michael Jackson conspiracy. I'll post some videos of alleged glitches and celebrity monarchs captured on film in the show notes, so go check them out because some are pretty trippy. Researchers on MKUltra programming conclude that even though the whole process is very successful, 
It all pretty much seems to come apart for the victims between the ages of 27 and 30. That's why so many celebrities in the entertainment industry seem to have mental breakdowns in those years. It's kind of ridiculously common. The system starts to fall apart, and the victim switches to alters at inappropriate times. Whether it's just wiring getting loose, or it's the victim trying to pull their shattered psyche back together, isn't known. But if you look at celebrity meltdowns, it usually occurs between the ages of 27 and 30. Celebrity parents willingly sold their kids into these programs to guarantee success. The reasoning basically that the end justifies the means. And if the kids have no memory of their trauma and abuse, then what harm is there? When they inevitably reach the meltdown stage, though, the victim has to be returned to their programmers for reprogramming. To the public, though, they just say that the celebrity in question is going to rehab. According to conspiracy theorists, there's always some clues if someone may be under MKUltra mind control. One of which is the ever-present handler. This isn't easy to spot, though, because a handler can pose as people above suspicion. Like a manager, or a family friend, or advisor, or even security guards. Or just a member of that person's entourage. The handler uses triggers to control the monarch, and bring out the altars when appropriate as well as eradicating the monarch's short-term memory through electroshock when necessary. But the handler could really be anybody, and are so bonded through brainwash with the victim that the monarch never sees them for what they really are, and usually even has a twisted affection for them. Uh, another sign is just the, uh, the strange glitches monarchs have once in a while, which I already mentioned earlier. These glitches have even been filmed on live TV as well as people's personal recording devices, and then inevitably put on the internet. During these glitches, the people show incredibly bizarre behavior, like stopping what they're doing suddenly and staring off into space as if mesmerized, or sway side to side with a totally vacant expression, or just act like a total nut job, sometimes even like they're talking to invisible entities or something. They can seem to switch personalities and say insane things, then switch back and continue like nothing happened. Or they can seem to react to things that aren't there. Or even talk to them or talk as if people are there, but no one is. They can also seem to have spontaneous creepy facial expressions before switching back instantly nonchalantly. It's really weird to watch and definitely not something normal people do. Those who suffer from multiple personality disorder could be monarchs too, though it's important to remember that multiple personality disorder does happen to people naturally from childhood trauma, and has nothing to do with these MKUltra programs or secret societies. But those who have alter egos could very well be mind slaves. Multiple personality disorder is rare, but it seems to be pretty common in the entertainment industry. Another sign that's not always prevalent, but to researchers can be an indicator is if one eye of a person is slightly open more than the other. Like, one eye is just more lidded when they're naturally looking around. I'm not sure how accurate that is because it seems pretty common to me. Another thing to look for is symbolism in plain sight. Secret societies, or these brainwash programs too, communicate and are linked to one another through symbolism. And the public just doesn't understand this occult symbolism, so it goes right over their heads. It's only for those in the know, but this symbolism is usually out in the open on display for everyone to see. The monarch, or just plain butterfly symbolism, is one of these symbolic dog collar-like calling cards. So keep your eyes peeled, because apparently this is like literally everywhere in the entertainment industry. Other symbolism is shattered mirrors or shattered glass with the person's reflection in all the pieces. It's usually artistically done, but it's also a calling card for MKUltra. Look for it in music videos, magazine art, or album art, but it's in movies and many other places too. Diamonds are another form of symbolism which represent elitist or presidential sex slaves. Other forms of symbolism are Mickey Mouse ears, hair-dyed blonde or blonde wigs, an excess amount of black and white, 
conspiracy theorists have a lot of this stuff. I could go on. But the main indicator is if somebody breaks down mentally between the ages of 27 and 30 and is in the need of some reprogramming, aka rehab, or they just disappear for a while. It's not profitable to have a monarch going through a meltdown, so the details of the behind-the-scenes is always incredibly hush-hush. Back when Lindsay Lohan was allegedly in rehab, this was back in 2012, her one and only tweet was a strange reference to The Wizard of Oz. It said, and I quote, Somewhere over the rainbow, bluebirds fly. It's up to us to make the best of what we have. End quote. And this is a dead giveaway to conspiracy theorists. Because the Wizard of Oz is one of the fantasy worlds used to program monarchs. Some monarchs do have a clue about what's going on, though it's rare. And they've even cried out for help. They can't or aren't able to ask for help openly. But you can see a lot of MKUltra references in the entertainment industry. Like the band Muse, for example, in their song The Handler, in which the singer Matt Bellamy openly uses tons of MKUltra references. You, you really gotta watch it. Especially after listening to this episode, it will probably give you chills. He talks about dissociation, has Alice in Wonderland as a doll being spun around by the Handler, has lyrics claiming the Handler as his oppressor, and how he'll execute the Handler's commands, and there's symbolic images rotating around the representative of the monarch's brain with a shadowy figure of the Handler sticking out. The symbolism is pretty much undeniably of trauma-based MKUltra mind control. Many symbols are even allegedly known triggers to control monarchs, with even a chest full of monarch butterflies flying around. It doesn't get much more ham-fisted than this. Seriously, go check out the video. I'll have it in the show notes. But there's actually tons of references to this kind of forbidden knowledge in Muse's work. Ariana Grande's song, No Tears Left to Cry, is another music video filled with MKUltra references. And references to the tarot, too. In the video, symbolically, Ariana shows her great pain. Basically, after losing herself to the price of her success and fame. It shows her forced solitude and her inability to do anything about it but suffer in silence. Some have even claimed to break free from MKUltra programming, like Jim Carrey. Take that with a grain of salt, uh, I couldn't find anything confirming it, but supposedly he did say that before. However, allegedly these celebrities who have woken up are very secretive and not open about it, because they usually end up dead commonly in the form of what at least looks like a suicide. Celebrities have been known to even have total breakdowns when they resist their programming, like the recent alleged monarch breakdowns of Misha Barton and Kane West, and the very famous breakdown of Britney Spears, though that one's a little bit older. The few celebrities that have come forward to talk about MKUltra are pretty much quickly silenced, and quickly changing their tune afterward. Roseanne's a famous one, though, that still hasn't backed down even till this day. I really couldn't make this like a two hours or more long episode based off of all the examples I came across in my research, but I think you get it. So when celebrities start acting super bizarre, it's a, it's a good sign that something MKUltra related may be up. Alright, that's a wrap for this episode. Hope it was as entertaining as it was disturbing. We're not fearmongers though, so remember not to get too paranoid if you're just learning about MKUltra. Because it may be a real thing that actually did happen. But the whole monarch programming stuff is just a conspiracy theory and not provable. And even if it were true, the trauma-based mind control people would be a tiny minority in the big picture of things. I don't know exactly what it is about this subject, but I find it truly fascinating. Especially the dissociation and how the conscious awareness of people can be literally shattered. 
to the point where their personality or ego is just gone. It is terrifying to think that a lot of people in power could just be puppet drones, though. Even more sickening is that if it is true, they torture little kids. I found the part about how they put like mouse traps on babies' fingers so that they learn how to dissociate from the pain kind of hard to talk about. And this conspiracy theory's view of the elite pretty much make them seem inhuman. I strayed from the more supernatural or occult aspects concerning this topic and the elite, mainly because it's all about like alleged satanic rituals and cults in our government and whatnot. And I, I really didn't want to go too overboard, but holy crap, that stuff is dark to research. Let me know what you think in the comments or email us because I'd like to get a broader view of people's opinions on this subject. The whole Allison Mack stuff is pretty bizarre too. Me personally, I'm not really a fan of Smallville. Not that I don't like it. More so, I'm just not interested in Superman, because he was my brother's favorite superhero growing up. But the fact that there was a modern day sex cult in Hollywood right under our noses is, that's pretty trippy. It only proves that there's a lot going on the mainstream public is just oblivious to. But what else is new, right? I'm your host, Tim Hacker, and thanks for listening to Cryptic Chronicles.